1: Hey everyone, I hope you're all doing well and staying sane and welcome to Radical Musings. I'm so happy to be doing this and I'm so excited for today because I really, really love this woman. I adore her, Susanna Hoffs. She's one of my dearest friends. She's a talented singer and songwriter and you know her as the lead singer of the Bangles. She's written and performed so many great songs that are forever ingrained in pop culture. Uh, she's also married to uh, one of the a really great director, uh, Jay Roach. They have a beautiful marriage. They have two amazing sons who graduated from Stanford, that are like so artistic. They're like a really cool, close family. We spoke just before the holidays and reflected on this past year. We talked about creativity and new ways of collaborating with others. And I, I just find her so inspiring, and I think you will too. Have a listen. Wait. Hi, oh God, Sue, how are you? It's been I'm, so
2: nuts. It's been so nuts, yeah, I'm good. i I'm excited to talk about creative things because that's what's keeping me I guess you could say sane <laughs>
1: that's that, that's exactly what we're doing is is in this time of this quarantine and where we're, you know, put into this where we're like living with all the stuff that's coming up for ourselves the creativity that's arising in the world right now amongst artists is is actually on fire extraordinary you know I, I love it and, 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 and we're finding new ways to communicate um because we're forced in this situation, so are you? Where are you at in this time? You're always creative. You're always writing. But where are you? Where are you at right now? Well,
2: I'm actually, um, and and you know, it, it, there are challenges to create music with others during this time, and it's been, you know, most of the year has been pretty lonely, apart from the when there was like a great celebration in January. Um, and you and I were at my house when we had the music night.
1: That was um, your a birthday party for yeah. it, celebrating your beautiful birthday and all these incredible musicians and, and yeah. artists connecting. And I, I, it was, it was Colin one of those.
2: Colin Hay, Neil yes. Finn, Vonda Shepard. Um, yes, I love Vonda. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Fred Armisen playing drums with me and my friend Pat O'Connor and my friend Fran Healy from Travis and my friend uh oh it just w- there were so many um people playing in the living room and then and then suddenly there was no playing in a room with other people and that's just um what we need to do is is stay in and in our you know s- s- you know keep everybody you know p- like in our bubbles where we yeah. should be you know so that yeah. we're doing the right thing and i you know
1: we're keeping others safe by its respect Exa- for other human yeah. beings. By we're wearing masks for other people's safety, not for yes. our own. Yes, and we have, to, and everybody does it. It's like you know, that's how we pay. We you know we pay it forward. Everybody right. is protecting other people.
2: Yeah, and exactly. And so now I'm I'm I have been working for a long time on a a, a fiction, a book. So that's been keeping me going. But it's been a a labor of love throughout the whole process of it but also in terms okay, of Okay but mindset. you've been doing
1: this for years you no, uh, I you know. told me you told me about this book but I can't wait to read uh, this book cuz I uh, know it's going to be a, a masterpiece <laughs> <I>, you <laughs> you've been working really really hard on it you've given yeah. me great notes about writing myself because yeah. and how to do that and and you're and I'm really excited for you
2: I'm, I, I've i been loving every second of it. It's like permission to live in my fantasy world with my fantasy characters. But also of late, I've figured out ways to do um, some recording, which has been really great because I was Yay! really mourning being able to do that. So it's 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 very tricky, but we figure it out. We figure out, uh, you come in the back door, and then we have things and, and like isolation booths and ways that we can you know, wear a mask and then go in the isolation booth, sing the vocal, you know. Everybody
1: tests so they're clear to come into your home in the first place.
2: uh, Well, nobody's hardly been in my home and that that has been easy. But it's like if I'm going to, I've been able to go to some studios in which we have it very, very carefully worked out. With the band? With the bangles or on your own? This is is you by yourself? Yeah, this is just me by myself, which makes it a whole lot easier. So um yeah and then sending things to musicians to throw their parts on I mean it's kind of like um yeah it's 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 hard because what musicians love to do most is sit across from each other and listen to each other I actually was on a podcast recently with Linda Ronstadt and she she made we were talking about singing and
1: a Is she? Different- she's doing a podcast herself.
2: No, no, no. My friend, oh. my oh, friend, wow. who, who um, it, it does a podcast. Wait, where- are you
1: singing together?
2: No, no, we oh, weren't singing. Oh God, together. I want that. <laughs> oh, I, I, that would be my lifelong dream. Please. Um, but I, we were talking about. We were on a podcast. We have a mutual friend um, who was the wardrobe girl for Genevieve Shore. She was, and she was in a band called Backstage Pass back in the in the early eighties, but she mm-hmm. also went on tour for years with Linda and did all kind of work creating costumes for her big tours and everything. And so she put us together on, I, she and Jenny, Genevieve Jenny invited me to see Linda's documentary. So we sat together uh, before, before lockdown. This was, I think, end of last year or very beginning of this year. And we, you know sat side by side and watched the documentary and i of course couldn't hold back and i was kind of like quietly singing harmonies <laughs> along to the to the to the movie but um she wanted to put us together on a podcast and it was so lovely to talk to my inspiration one of my role models Ugh. you know sing, teaching myself to sing cuz i just I'm all self-taught. I, I don't read music. It's embarrassing, but I don't. Everything that I learned from music was just
1: falling is in it, love either with John music. Lennon. Uh,
2: what, oh, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> so you're no, in the company. Know, there's many of us like that, and yeah. people who came out of the folk tradition who just learned by sharing the recipe for the song, like the chords, like sharing a recipe with somebody, or... Um, just learning by ear, which is what I did. And I basically taught myself to sing by singing along to records. And, and those were, you know, Joni, Bonnie, yeah. Linda. You know, those were the early... Dionne Warwick, my mom had all the Dionne Warwick records with all the Burt backrack Hal David songs. So I just learned by mimicking... Um and so but but Linda But you said have such really, a distinct
1: voice. I oh, love your thanks. voice so much. I've always had Linda,
2: Linda said something so amazing that I that I made sure I had the actual quote which was we were talking about what the, our favorite thing to do and it makes it hard, you know, obviously during quarantine to do this, but to sit in a room with unamplified, not on a big stage, not with loud amps and guitars, but to just to sit almost what I used to refer to as like around the campfire kumbaya singing but you know where you actually listen to the person and you're blending with them and your everything is open it's like all your pores are open and you're really feeding off each other it's like a it's like a dance and mm-hmm. linda said to me music is a conspiracy to commit beauty oh. and i just thought that was so amazing that it I made is. sure that Jenny got the exact quote from me, for me from Linda. Music is a conspiracy to commit beauty. I thought that was so beautiful. And that's, so, you know, that I long to do that when, when it's time that we can go and sit in a living room with other people. But in the meantime, yes, keeping busy with writing and uh, recording now in a safe way. So I, I feel very lucky that I can.
1: Perry Farrell was just here with Eddie and he was just talking about the in, in living room spaces where, you know, we're, we have safe friends all yes. together and, and doing the living room, you know, uh, house parties. Oh, and, well, that's and, great. And, yeah. And he's, you know, he's going to, he's going to take that around the world, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: that's cool. So you get right? you get in a space where it's safe and everything's figured out in advance and then you can actually do it. You yes. can actually sing yes. and make music.
1: Oh And my and God. And, st- and still be able to do it in you know in small spaces the way you know it needs to be for now and we'll see where it goes. But I mean yeah. that's the biggest for you know the thought that all cause he, you know, he owns Lollapalooza and those he has them all around the world oh. and to yeah, Perry owns Lollapalooza and for for that to the live venues, the the rock festivals. I mean, they're shut down. How are yeah. we ever going to go back to that? And I that's scary and yeah. and so and 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 sad because like horrible. This yeah. is, like, a big part of our lives. Yeah. Like, I need live music. And, by the way, you know, if anybody, like, I, my birthday last year, um, Susanna played at my birthday party, and it was, like, the coolest thing. So well, thank you it for that. Well, it was the
2: coolest thing for me to be able to do it, although I must say that um, it was pretty daunting because I was both aware and and trying not to let it, you know, <laughs> Make my whole body shake with, like fear and joy. That Joni Mitchell was off to the side to my left, and directly in front of me was Seal. <laughs> and it was just like, okay, how do I tune this out? I just thought about you, Ro. Oh, it was your birthday, and we and both was the
1: cool. We both loved turned I was- that
2: age. Well, I'm not hiding it, but yeah, well, yeah in I the know. Case but, we don't want to but talk we about. Just it. We just can't.
1: We're not hiding it, but we don't have to say it out loud.
2: Yeah, we're not going to say it out loud, but we both turned a very important uh age and like corner on a certain decade and um yeah it's all good but that was like one of the best nights I can remember in a long time, and I remember
1: Joni because she, you know, she she was like you know, she goes, her voice is beautiful, you know. like So it's like it was cool, oh, yeah. So that. that's oh, nice.
2: that's so great. Well, it was. I thought I told you that. S- oh my God, that's horrible if I did. did. But no, I don't know. But thanks, it, it's good. <laughs> good to know that. I mean, I was so nervous, in particular, knowing she was there because, um, again, <gasps> back to the early story of like teaching myself to sing. It was it was. Joni Mitchell
1: records. Wait a minute. Do you have the new record? It just came out. It's called Joni Mitchell. Oh my God. Right now. Right now when you're on the, you could, you have to download Joni Mitchell archives and it's songs that we've never heard her 19 years old in cafes, 19 years old in in Canada when she's Joni Anderson. Oh, it's nuts.
2: And I, and I think, and I, uh, um, I've seen footage of her from like the very early, Period too, which might be a little after that, maybe not teenage joni but it's it's so magical and and beyond comprehension almost what she it is i mean it's this, yeah. what she was able to do and how she's like i mean from a from a singing and writing point of view like uh, she kind of reinvented the whole thing i mean she just there was no she kind of broke through all sort of genres and just made her own recipe of what it was. Like, I don't even know, like, I think that's why for me as a kid, as a little girl, like singing along to the records, it was like, uh, it didn't follow a typical roadmap. Like, she would just go into these crazy falsettos and then go really low and (gasps) just play around with the melodies so they never quite repeated. It was like... I mean, and you can see why she loves jazz. I mean, there was a jazz aspect to how she, you know, did her pop songs and they I wouldn't even know how do you even describe what genre it is
1: you're going to freak out when you hear her cover uh, her song that she wrote Little Green but oh, it's I like li- in a lower it's oh, much wow. lower than the ho- that, that it is in blue it's like really yeah. high it's her it's just her voice is so much lower in this it's and and, and it it was written for her daughter that she'd gave in, given up yes. for adoption yeah I knew
2: the story yeah yeah
1: And so, and you can hear in the way how low it is actually the grief, because it was new.
2: Wow. Wow.
1: I can't wait for you to hear it. You're going to write me. Oh, the, I'm, uh, so yeah. ex-
2: I'm so excited. Yeah. Thanks you're in your pajamas
1: right it. now. Yeah. Put, just yeah. download this right now on Spotify. It's her yeah. archives. Now I think I'm pr- I, it, Cameron Crowe curated it and put it together. Apparently. Oh really? That's what I, that's what I, that's I, interesting. I, okay. you know I that thing, the worst part is that you don't have the liner notes. Anymore. That's what I, The I love getting a, you know, the vinyl, which she's just does have a vinyl set that's coming out, which I've ordered. So you can get all of, vinyl and I want to read the liner notes I love that so much and I'm so happy that we were born into a time where we had that I know I admit, and now they just do a one de- song it bugs me I know
2: <laughs> I know I just found um, a a set of demos that I recorded in 1999
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm about to put
2: those out. Just as That's is, they great. were mixed. They were mixed two tra- onto two tracks, you know. Um, and, they were and this all is your mi- solo, Hoffs? This is solo me. It was okay. it was right after I turned forty. It was right. Oh. I was had had just had a baby. Oh. I was home. Jay was off doing uh, directing Austin Powers two, the this, uh, this, um, the second one. Yeah. Um, I think For those was,
1: of you yeah. who don't know that Susanna Hoffs is married to the great director. Uh, Jay Roach, Thank yes, you. and so it was a really
2: interesting time. And these songs are like, you know, they were. It was like a period of my life, like preserved in amber. Like I, I we rediscovered them. The guy who produced them and and who was the one who called me one day, um, Dan Schwartz, and said we had just. I had actually just worked with him and Jim Keltner and Larry Klein mm. and, Larry. and and and, and Joni showed up at the sessions for. It was my first. Um, it was a solo record I did for London Records. I had done that in... I guess I was recording it in... God, I uh, never heard that record. Yeah, in 95. Yeah, wow. it's a self-titled album. And I was working with all these incredible... Can I get that? Can I yeah, download yeah, it? I can get that oh, on no, Spotify that's on, right now? Oh, yeah. It's a self-titled okay. from 90... I think it came out in 96. But okay. well, we were recording it in 95, and I got to spend all this time with, with these amazing um, musicians. And then... And then, cut to 99. Um, Keltner
1: so, uh, worked with Chrissy Hine.
2: Oh, yeah. And everyone. Yeah. I mean, yeah,
1: everybody. George Harrison, er, yeah, you know, everybody. So
2: so, I, so Dan Schwartz, who was in the Tuesday Night Music Club, called me in 99 and said, want to make some music. And I was, I was just like, home. Huh. Oh, that was Kevin a, Gilbert
1: was in that. Yes, Kevin Gil- exactly. Okay, Ke- you Kevin don't, so, played so, on that album, too. Okay, so album Kevin album. and I were really, he was a great, great, great mm. friend of mine. I was, I do, you, do you know his solo album was song no, I for, don't. No. he has a sol- song for a friend, song for a, a dead friend. I'll find what, it. I'll find so, it. Okay. It, his solo album is so beautiful Oh my god! and we were really, really close friends. So you knew him and that was a, I did. Wow. He played on that.
2: He played on that same record. I'm I talking
1: to know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he and he died. Actually, he apparently, I killed know, himself. It was such a weird thing. It was so weird and so sad. I'm I, went so to sad.
2: This, I went to the memorial at Bill Betrell's I, house. I know, I
1: loved him so and, much. And
2: um, yeah, actually, Joni came to the studio one night um, when I was making the self-titled record from '96, and I have a recording of "Love Potion num- Number nine, Her, Joni, and me singing together. If you can you believe it, be ki- you, I gotta, the, you gotta be kidding. You should send that. You gotta send say, that. To, I, don't, I would never send it to put, Cameron. I should, but I want to make sure Joni, I want to send, it's so cool. I mean, Joni If you send,
1: no, if you send it to Cameron, he will make sure that Joni has that in the right way. I would send it to Cameron.
2: I I will. But it was so great um, hanging out with Joni because, you know, back when I was making that record, we did it up in Benedict Canyon at at my friend um, David Cate's house. David Mm Behrwald and David Cate. Yep originally nice. produced it and it, it went through a lot of machinations that album
1: because then they um, had this Sheryl Crow thing you know they yeah, did they had, yes. they had
2: done all that so so they I worked with a lot of those people um uh, the wonderful musicians I mean one day I was at the studio which we recorded that album in the canyon you know one night one time Joni came Linda Perry came over and sang some stuff oh. it was like a hangout vibe but one time I answered the phone and it was George Harrison calling for Jim Keltner. And I was too shy to say hello. I just answered uh, it. And it was like, Is Jim Keltner there? And I was like, Um, yes, let me get him. And he said and you said, Who's calling, please? And <laughs> no, then you, yeah. you said, If George. only, if only I'd said that. But um, did but you I, did you meet
1: Danny um, at my oh,
2: house? Danny I met I met Danny through you.
1: And yeah, because Danny similar. Harrison is George's, you know, son and, um, and is a musician, of course, in his own right. And, and we're great friends. And, and I, I love guess, Danny. And I, isn't and I he do wonderful?
2: His, his whammies the night before the Grammy show. Yeah. Uh, he always has a really fantastic party and I got, get to sing with people like Al Yankovic. Last, <laughs> last time we did Here Comes the Sun together, uh, Al and and me. It was so fun.
1: So the, one of the people I want to talk about that we had in common who have in common is um is Adrian Petty's papa um Tom oh, Petty. Yeah. I know. And that was like this the one of the worst times in my life was that man dying and I I don't know if you know this story but um when Alexis my trans sister died of um 4 years ago Tom died not long after mm. like within within um, a couple of weeks. It was so devastating. And Adria oh, God, called me really? and went over to the hospital. I was there and um, it was one. And, and his last show was at the Hollywood bowl. I know. And he, and it, I don't, were you at that show? The last show? No, I wasn't. I was taking a kid to you college, were on the road. but, but, but oh, you we,
2: were. Tom had wanted uh, the harmonies. Cause he to loved you. Harmonies. I mean, to sing background on the tour, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't, couldn't do the do tour. It. I had a lot of, things
1: that I couldn't... Well, you were on the road a lot, too, at the same time, but yeah. I, I remember that summer, but um, he... he, Adria called me. Alexis had died. It was devastating, and she goes... You know, and I actually lived very close to him. She goes, Dad wants you to come over. So he, she picks me up. She takes me over to her house, to the house. He's there. He was in his pajamas. He had, had a little couple skin cancer things, and he took me into the studio, sat me down, and put on... He goes look what I just found, and it was him playing all bird songs with Jimmy, oh yeah, Jimmy McGuinn. Roger McGuinn, Roger McGuinn, right? Um, yeah, yeah, and it was so. It, I hope they put that out, but I know oh. that you know he had his his radio show and 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 he I brought was you on, it. on. Yeah, you were on, yeah, yes, and, I know, I and, remember that.
2: And I spent hours, hours there hanging out with Tom, and it and it was just glorious. I mean. Right? First, first, um, my friend Mark Felsot, um, or Felsot—I hope I pronounced it right—he's wonderful, and he pr- was one of the producers, or the producer of the some of Tom's radio shows. Or Tom talks to cool people was was I think the one that I was on, and um, it just was like the most wonderful thing. Driving out to Malibu and hanging out. But first, he said, "Oh, Tom would like." Um, you to just send a list of um, just some of your favorite songs. And, you know, if you ask me to make a list of favorite songs, it turned out to be like hundreds of songs. (laughs) But I knew everything was good when when Mark said, um, Tom loves all of these songs. I was like, ooh, we're going to be kids in a candy store sitting around talking about music. And that's what it was. And it was like the most magical... Series of hours. <laughs> just we have being to get that. We're, is, oh,
1: and him I making me
2: coffee. And yeah, no, he, yeah, I did. I I went twice to do it. And anyway, it was just so.
1: I I remember such, talking to you when you were actually going to go do it. Yeah, I mean, I, like something like you were like on your way out, or we couldn't talk because you were going out to yeah. record that. Yeah, it was so. And I and I don't know how I missed that and never got to hear it. So I really want to find that. I'm gonna t- let's tell Adria. We gotta track that down and yeah, we'll track that it down. Be- I can get it
2: for you because I can call yeah. Mark and I love it. to hear it. Yeah, but um, yeah, I know. he had so many great stories. We talked, we talked about everything and anything, and also yeah. music. And music and other stuff and music. It was like, it's so great. And you've always been this kind of friend to Ro, where it's like we love music so much. Like I, yeah. I you, we find each other. You know the people yeah. who absolutely. It's like a drug. It's 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 like it does.
1: I don't it's know. a we drug, but the, the, the hangover is just, you know, sweet and yes. lives inside of you. You're not fucked up yes. for, you know, it's not it's negative. Like, it's just positive. It's, it's all, all positive. love.
2: It's yeah. all positive. And um, it's funny. It's like It's like having a club that is your friends who you can just... You always send me song links, you know i 'll yeah. wake up and i 'll like I think you get up earlier than me i 'm still on yeah. rock hours rock and roll hours and i 'll just see No, i 'm like i, like, I don 't know how i 'm
1: getting up you 're going but, to sleep at four in the morning and i 've been waking up it, yeah. for some reason at four and, in the morning i don 't get it
2: but then i 'll get a song from you and that and yeah. it 's and i I must have done something right with my two kids because that we have this one of the things we do now that everybody's kind of grown up is like we just send songs to each other and it's this awesome shorthand you know it's like um, just sharing some magical thing through the interwebs of like uh, a song that one of them has never heard of ever and it's like a revelation
1: Mm. so what are what what are you are you is there any young artist now or any of the cool band that you feel like oh yeah okay I love them because it's it's been really hard for uh, you know I, I, I there's some great new young powerful I know artists, I need but to I, know more but I want I want I want to wanna a new, I wanna find them you know I yeah mean, me too
2: um, I am still a little bit lost in the past. And sort of all, some of what's been happening is I'm finding out about sort of obscure recordings from like the 60s and 70s I didn't know about. Um, yeah, my, still, my daughter still. is the greatest
1: DJ. Zoe, yes. I should send you her her playlist. She finds that, shit that you yeah, will love. It's like, oh my, and it's like, you know, really obscure uh, Parisian from oh. the you know sixties like she really has the best tapes. I was kind of so excited because I always thought I was a really good DJ. No, she she she's just surpassed I, any I DJ I've ever great, heard.
2: I have a Paris playlist um, myself that that is all Jacques Dutronc and John, Johnny halliday and great. Serge Gainsbourg yeah, and yeah, of course yeah. Francois Hardy.
0: But yes, all, the yeah, yeahs, all the yah
2: yahs, all the ya yeah yay yeah, yay. Yeah, yeah, what do you call it? Um, I think I it's. Put it wrong. Is it ya yeah, yeah? I think it's was yah. I don't know if it's. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yay, yay, It's like yeah. Uh, yeah. But you do it. you think the Bangles were inspired by that? Of like it's Petula Clark and. Like, oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh my
2: God! Yeah, no, all that stuff. Um, was huge for me because my mom loved music. So, first, I just got it in the car. Your mom, who's
1: also a filmmaker.
2: Yes. But
1: She yes. was a writer and a filmmaker?
2: Yes. And she um, all constantly listened to Top 40 in the 60s. So, you know, and just getting in the back seat of the station wagon, just inundated with it. That's where I first heard The Zombies. Of course, I heard The Beatles. My mom had a friend who worked at Capitol Records so I have all the original LP vinyl oh from, god from probably like first pressings I think my brother <sighs> actually is is the keeper of that vinyl right now my younger brother but he um, yeah so I and just And he was... keeps
1: it very sacred yes space and safe yes
2: and You're... Yeah go ahead sorry
1: no I was just going I was just saying about when you were talking about your mom and your and your dad who who's a, who was a shrink right A psychoanalyst yeah so how, growing up, and your parents are still married for all yes. these years, which isn't that yeah. wonderful, long-term yes. marriages? And you yeah. also have a long-term marriage. I yeah. so honor and love and respect long-term marriages, and I want to know the secret of that, you know? Well,
2: um, I don't know exactly. I think it's just, uh, com- I think part of it is just, like, I have a really great respect for my partner. I just, mm-hmm. we... we. Um, we both do. We're both creatives, I guess you would say, for lack of a better word. He's a filmmaker and writer and director. And,
1: and he so yeah. loves you. I remember he, he got an award. Was it for Recount or something? Yeah, I like, think
2: so. Or, and and he said, it was "My my
1: rock and roll sweetheart."
2: Oh yeah, I think that was, was the, the sweetest. Golden Globes, yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. For, um, yeah yes, 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 yes. It might have been for Game Change with you yes um yeah. So I mean, I. I think my second passion in the world, besides music, would be film and movies. You know, now it, a lot of great TV shows are happening, too. So I would just say, you know, besides loving music, you know, it, I love film. So we kind of have both things in the household. And, yeah. um
1: Do you ever see yourself directing? Could you direct? I mean, your I, book that you're writing could turn into... I potentially, think Potentially. You know,
2: potentially. I mean...
1: I, I think know, Jay yeah. was ahead of the game with the the long term miniseries, like you know the yeah. series thing. I think because before you know he was a he's a you know he's a big film director, but he also was He able did the to, political
2: films for people yes. for uh, for HBO. Yeah, yeah, Game Change. Yeah. all the way. And people are staying home
1: and day. watching. Tell they watch they yeah. want to watch you know the whole season of something.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those were more like movies. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, actually, yeah, they were like, they were, um, I don't know what you call it. Um, do they have a, well, they're not movie, they're not
1: TV movie. They're feature films that they, you know, they're HBO made, but they're, 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 but they're features. Yeah, exactly. Um, but,
2: um, yeah, so long-term marriages, I guess it's just, you know, because we sort of respect each other and love each other, but also the respect part of it. And, um, you know we have two great kids together who are grown, but
1: who both uh, went to Stanford University I mean, yeah, come on, you're I like know. both of you <laughs> good
2: good parents well, thank you yeah um, so yeah, so it's good, and it's really i don't know i how did, never... how have you
1: guys managed to do the balance right now? with your relationship during COVID and, and being in the house together is it's very different because you're both used to, he's on the road for a couple months, making a movie, you're on the yeah. road touring. How has that been as a couple in this it's time? It's been of-
2: kind of amazing actually. And our oh, son, Sam true. is, is here doing the last year of college remotely. Um, we've actually having, I mean, we're very lucky because we, we, we all, Kind of go off into our own zones during the day, and uh, Sam does school, Jay does his work, I do my work, and then we typically convene whenever possible for meals. But we definitely have gotten into this crazy uh, movie and show watching, where you know sometimes we have to sort of duke out who's going to, uh, you know, fight fight out who's going to win. You know what we
1: watch. But, what are you watching?
2: We're watching, you know, I mean, The Queen's Gambit. Have you seen it yet? I love it. I know. So, you know, we'll watch. She's amazing. I know. Um, My friend Autumn DeWild directed Emma. I don't know if you saw the. I
1: haven't seen Emma yet. Yeah, yeah. She's the
2: star of that. Um, But, um, you know, so we watch anything from, you know, binging series to watching movies. Um, we watch a lot of the
1: Criterion collection. I, I, I just—it's—it's it's saving my life during I quarantine. No, I mean so, in this time.
2: So we. Oh. So uh, Sam, my my kid who just turned twenty-two, just watched um, this movie called *The Servant*. It—it it was a Harold Pinter Harold Pinter wrote the sc- the uh, screenplay, and it was directed by Joseph Losey. It's from nineteen sixty-three. Mm. Uh, Sarah Miles, Dirk Bogard... Yeah. And it was the first time, uh, Lawrence Fox yeah, in his first feature. And it's like, it's a really incredible film. I've now watched it five times because I get people to watch it and then I re-watch it. So yeah. it's fun. It's fun to go on Criterion and get sort of a education on the history of film and... So many um, filmmakers,
1: like you can get all um, uh, the Mike great Lee movies. Fem- female. Or, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Or
1: f- Agnes Farda. Or- Agnes, Agnes Farda, yeah. who I love so much. Oh, yeah. Her films are just. Oh, I, know. I always love Did you see that of- one in the 70s? It's kind of the, in, in Los Angeles, which was her time in Los Angeles. Well, she. The guy who wrote Hair is one oh, of the guys in the oh. house. Yeah, it's really trippy.
2: I, she I follows them.
1: So I it's like a documentary.
2: Oh wow! No, I haven't seen that. Um, I forgot but what it's anyways, called. So, Terrible. <laughs> well, I know there's just so. How, this is one of the things that's happening to me with the because we, you and I, bro, we grew up before the internet, and then the now we have to like train ourselves how to use tech. You're probably better at tech than no. You, but,
1: you, I'm the right? worst. I'm, I'm, I'm I, so I There's bad no. At I it. can't do it at all, and I oh, cry. No i cry i I start crying i get so frustrated i start crying because i really it's not in my it's not in my brain it's i don't think it ever will no matter how much i try i forget everything they just taught me like the next day it's like wait a minute i had it down yesterday what's wrong and i I know it's really bad it's bad but but our brains
2: work differently now i think i think that it's hard because I mean at least my brain is trying to catch up with all of it and figure it out how to think a different way, but everything was i think it's there's just so much information whizzing through that it's hard to it's it's almost like um i don't know it's hard to focus on anything um because you just your focus is always split there's always some screen somewhere calling to you to check it or look at it or and you don't have time to, like, absorb anything. That's why I like to, um, every day I have, I put aside time to just listen to music. I'm usually walking, so it's kind of a meditation. Or to
1: read. You do, like, two or three hour walks, right? Are no, you still doing- not
2: that long, no. It's about an hour, 45 minutes. Oh, Really? Yeah,
1: and I and, we, I... and we were supposed to go on a walk a long time ago, and then, I, know. I don't know, I'm, uh, but it's also, also the is your private time, but I do want to do it one day with you. Oh,
2: definitely. But I also set aside time, even if it's just one chapter of a novel that I'm reading, uh, you know, because the screens and the sort of, like, it's almost like you're getting sucked into the rabbit hole, and it's just such a barrage that it, I it think it's changing the way our brain
1: chemistry is it's ruining my it's life a, it's kind of, okay you just said it thank you it is terrible isn't it it's ruining In my life it, and, and and it's oversaturated like oversaturated about the the business the, uh, the, the of 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 our of the United States of America and this craziness. And we don't even go there because it's so depressing and negative, but I have to tell Mm -hmm. you, we had two days of bliss. I just have to say that the two days of bliss and on the streets and the love and the joy and no violence. And we see the difference of that Mm -hmm. and that anybody would want, not want that, but chooses to have this other dark, hatred guns yeah. dumb like what is this and, and it's just it's too much it's it's too much and I and then I found myself so anxious the other day where after that two days of bliss where the next day was just like what is going on there's a coup and I had an anxiety I never had what people you know call the my friends oh i've had a panic attack i had, you had the a panic real panic i had a real one where i came in i t- i couldn't my heart was racing i felt like i was going to die please take me to the hospital something yeah. i really it was so terrible and oh, it was a physiological it was a it was like the j- adrenaline going through your body it's so toxic and dangerous for our bodies so mm-hmm. i realized like i got to i got to chill out well, stay the hell why, off that's
2: why that's why it's important that's one of the reasons that i use art it's yes. like art therapy, but it's like I, I, I make sure that no matter what I, because, you know, obviously we all check the news all the time. We check what's going on, and, you know, we're kind of overly connected to too mm-hmm. many chaotic streams, whether it's through social media or whatever. But I try to, like, walk, listen to music, mm-hmm. listen to audiobooks, and you can't, you can't really focus on it. Otherwise, you, you, you're not really listening to it. You're not really engaged. Where I'm really kind of trying to be singularly focused on something. So if it's having a great reader like Juliet Stevenson Ooh. narrating Jane Eyre or something. Really? Oh, oh yeah. I want that. I love that. Uh, so I've Stevenson, got to get that. Or, or, you know, like audio books and then reading a physical book whether I even only have, I I will not lay down and put my head on the pillow to go to sleep if I haven't, even if it's literally just 20 minutes to read a few chapters of a book. It's, I've become, it's become like the way to
1: sleep. uh, Yeah. I have to, I
2: have to do it, you know? And so, um, yeah. Is is
1: Jay doing that also? Are you just having like your nightlight and he's no, I,
2: I have to be in another room because where I'm on rock and roll time and he's on, yeah. he's on like director's time, like right. movies, movies, movie sets start at like 5.00 AM. So he's right. like uh, gets up at five and goes to bed at, you know, a reasonable hour. And, you know, if I'm binging a show, I don't mind. I will stay up, you know, till two in the morning if I,
1: and, and then, then you go to bed and I then you, to, you, what time do you do to, your walk?
2: I do my walk whenever I get up. I mean, I try to do it at like nine or whatever, but you know, it's, it's depending on if I need more, you know, I, I, I need more sleep. I don't get enough sleep, but I still, I still need to consume art. (laughs) So it's like, I don't. Isn't that funny that you still have, you
1: still have the rock and roll hours, like the studio. It really is musician time.
2: It is. It's weird. And I like my mother likes to write late at night. She's still writing away all the time, working on different things. But there's something like nice about the quiet hours of the night when everyone's sleeping. And I, you know, you kind of, I don't know, I just, I just need that time to read or, or think about. Um, things other than reality <laughs> I guess you could say I like to disappear into the world of characters in a book or in a series I don't know mm. great so I mean I, I'm lucky that I can do it and get away And because with it. you've
1: done that all that work and reading constantly it's inspired it keeps you inspired to be writing your own book which where yeah. are you at at that where are oh, you I'm
2: I'm th- in the in the last stages ah. of revisions um, with a great book editor. So I yeah. And
1: this has been I think it's like been seven five, years. It's
2: like, no five? Not seven. it's been since two thousand fifteen. Okay. So <laughs> a lot. Good for you. Five years, yeah.
1: I remember but, you uh, just had the idea that you said I'm gonna do this and it was I know. like, oh gosh. I mean, then no.
2: I, yeah. But I I guess, you know, it's all related, I think, Ro. It's like you as an actress, you take on a character, you become that person. You disappear. Of course you bring your own humanity to it. But then you get to be part of a story, a fiction in most cases. And it's so fun to lose
1: yourself in that.
2: And it is. Um, I really
1: miss that and I'd like to be right? able to do that again soon yes. for someday. Yeah, it's very it's been a yeah. little yeah. Or and
2: or to and, and that's the fun um it's it is like fanciful and for me to just disappear into sort of these made up stories and, you know, whether I'm reading a fiction or writing a fiction or, you know, it's been, I don't know. It's like very, um, it's almost like, uh, religion or therapy or something, whatever. It's like a coping strategy (laughs) for me to just be connected to stories. I don't know. Was it always that way? I think so. I've always, I've always loved. Um, I, as a child, I was a bookworm. You know, I would go. My mom would take me to the library, and I'd just sit on the floor and, you know, consume different books. Sometimes book series, and I then I would love. My parents were really into going to, to movies, and, and there were so many great movies in the '60s. I mean, they took us to some mm. movies that were like probably a little grown up for us um, to like, be seen, Like 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 Bonnie and Clyde, or <laughs> Bonnie you know, and Clyde. Um, oh, uh, that's violent at the called? end. What's it called, Midnight Cowboy? Oh, but, you know, wow. Things that. How uh, old were you when you saw Midnight Cowboy? I don't Midnight. know, but oh, well, probably, probably we were like probably, uh, you know, a little younger than.
1: The R rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, do you know but, what? I have the original poster of it, and it's actually rated X. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yes. Well, there you go. It oh. was rated X.
2: Oh my God. Well, I have but it. <laughs> those artworks definitely informed this sort of journey to want to be an artist. And um, I don't know. I just I was really really grateful to my parents for um, exposing me to so much art. Your
1: father and your parents who are long-term marriage and your father is a psychoanalyst. How was that growing up with your dad doing that in, in your life? It was, was fantastic, it- actually,
2: because my parents were... Were communicators. Were, we were a very close-knit family and there was nothing off the table. Like if anybody had an issue, they could be open and honest. There was no sort of sneaking around and... You know, not being able to seek counsel from my parents—they were—I—I I, I can't say enough about how incredibly grateful I am. It—I mean—it's very emotional to think about it. To my parents, who are quite old now and who I'm still so close with and love so dearly, but they were fantastic parents. I really—I, you
1: know—they were always there for us. But but um, because of that. You have created that in your own life, where you have that close knit family with your own kids and oh, husband, definitely. and, and, and yeah. you've always had that. And I'm, and that's gr- and because I, you had that. I, I, think, I think it is. I think it yeah. is. And you didn't really, you didn't grow up with because you had a community. You know, your your parents were able to c- communicate with you in any way you needed, and you would be able to bring anything that you needed to share with them. There was this openness, like. I, I it was almost any-
2: like I didn't ever have to rebel against anything. You, did it was you was ever? So you ne- you, ne-
1: you never rebelled. I never rebelled.
2: It's like it wasn't like a thing where when I went to UC Berkeley and I was in the '70s and I wanted to be an artist and it wasn't like me. My parents said, "Oh no, dear, you must get. You know, you want to be an artist. It wasn't like no, they, they were said, like,
0: 'Yay! You
1: know, they were.
2: <laughs> I, I. I was." reconnected with a bunch of amazing people who went to UC Berkeley, a friend of mine, um, put together a group of Berkeley girls. And, um, there was a wonderful lady from a woman who works, who is a professor at Berkeley who came and we were talking about our experiences and everyone was talking about going to the career center. Um, the, and I said, well, it's interesting. My Berkeley experience really solidified my journey as an artist but it wasn't like I can go into the career center and say, um, yeah, can you help me figure out how to start a rock band? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't like I could go to the jobs office, you know, or the career counseling center. And it was like, but Berkeley did it for me anyway because it was going to see Patti Smith at Winterland. There you go. I was going to see the last Sex Pistols show at Winterland. It was going ah. to the theater department. Um, and then switching to the dance department, and then switching to the art department, where I finally settled in with my major, where I was making stuff. Um, and then I was collaborating with my friend David Roback, and that's where we, we formed what was sort of a template for Mazzy Star, but years later when he made the band Mazzy Star. but w- w- Oh, the- I
1: really... Yes, yeah, so I didn't music, even. Do you know? I didn't even know that about. I don't know incredible. the
2: music I was making with David Roback in Berkeley, and David. And do you have were, any of that? Yeah, I recordings? have it on
1: cassettes. Yeah. Oh, we gotta. You gotta put it I ha- together I have, like your uh, vinyl of that stuff. No,
2: I know it's all this stuff that your I'm archives. On, They're your ar- archives. They are my archives. So we did like versions of like the Beach Boys' Little Honda, but like the Mazzy Star version, <clears throat> like slow with a ton of reverb. I still have all the early guitars and electric guitars and, and the amp that David and I went and, you know, picked out from the recycler. I still have all the old gear. I have the old guitars. I have the cassettes. I just have to get them archived. But
1: yeah, so, I mean. When you ver- hear, when you see this uh, or listen to um, Joni's archives, you're, you're going to be so inspired and, and I'm sure I you can't can get wait. right on it.
2: This is a revelation. Yeah. So I'm beginning to do that. Um, again, with this, the lost art, uh, record of uh, demos that I made in '99 with the Tuesday Night Music Club. Some of those people, well, particularly Dan Schwartz, but Jim Keltner played on it. Um, Bill Bottrell, who produced the uh, yeah, Tuesday Night Music Club, is on these songs too. Is there, so that's coming out, but. Yeah, so Berkeley really When does that improved. come out? I um that's gonna come I, out I it, it could get streaming by the end of the year. We're just sort of finishing it up and get we just got it mastered, so it's just a, Send about me mean advanced timing. copy, you know, I don't give I, it to
1: anybody. <laughs> oh I will for
2: sure. I will for sure. I can do that okay. like really ASAP actually. Um but yeah, so that that was sort of like um so my parents were just I mean, they knew I wanted to be an artist. I'd studied ballet, I'd I'd been singing all through school, I'd been playing, you know, folk guitar and singing. So it was kind of undeniable to them that, that we, but but still they were cool and they were like we know what you're going to do with your life. There was there was always the thought that, you know, I could maybe follow in my dad's footsteps and do something in psychology if all else failed. But luckily I just hit the ground running, put an ad in the LA Recycler magazine. Um pre-internet and just started calling people and trying to find people to make a band with and that's, and that's how, how you it did started. it in the
1: recycler you you did you, you audition people that's how you guys met well I just put my I put my name I,
2: I advertised myself and I made flyers I've posted some of the first flyers on Instagram and stuff but I, I made a flyer and I took it to the whiskey a go and I like Left it in the ladies' room of the bathroom, and they are kept going in into my, to my horror, someone had thrown all of them into the trash. I had to stick my hand in and take them out. But I also le- I also left the flyers around all the local record stores. And the one person who called my 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 uh, my number that I put on the flyer was Maria McKee, if you can believe it.
1: She's because got such I- an amazing voice. I,
2: I know. Lone Justice. I- Yes. I know, and she was only 16 at the time because oh, I had listed the band Love, Arthur Lee and Love. Yeah. Her brother, Brian McLean, was in that band. So I didn't know that's that. How, yeah, that's how she she picked up my flyer and called me, and I, and I went over to... The, she was living with her mom. I, I Before I met the Bengals, she had answered. She was oh the God. one human in all of L.A. who called my... Based on my flyer that I left at a record store, but her mom. Where was is like, she?
1: What happened to her? God, I don't know. Did you I guys sing? We, what happened? We to didn't. You? We the didn't sing.
2: Well, we met, and her mom was there because she was still a kid living at home. And right. my, her mom said, um, are, "Are you? What do you play?" And I said, "Well, I sing and I play guitar." And she's like, "Oh, well, Maria sings." We didn't end up. It didn't end up working out. And then I met the Bangles. A long story. Th- but a little bit circuitous, but I called an ad in the recycler and Vicky answered. And it wasn't Vicki's ad. It was just she happened to be the roommate of someone who had placed an ad. But we connected on the phone and that led to the first meeting of the Bengals in my garage in LA where I was living. And the night Vicki and Debbie came over and, and jammed with me in the garage, um, we, we, we became a band that night. So, I mean, we just decided... There was no, like, go home and think about it. It was like, okay, I guess we're, we're a band.
1: How that long night, did it take you to, from the garage to getting your first record deal?
2: Uh, it took from... That, I talked to Vicki on the phone in December 1980, and we, the, we either played at the end of December or beginning of January, and we got signed in 83 it seemed like it took forever. And I always uh-huh. tell people, it only really takes one. Now it doesn't take, you don't even need a record company, I don't think. But back then you did. No. It's pre-internet, pre-streaming, pre-all the things we're so accustomed to now. But it really ultimately only only took one in our case, because the only label that was interested in us was Columbia, but I mean Columbia, it was the label of Dylan and, and Simon Barfunkel. Exactly. I mean, you know, and, and weirdly it was, I, I, we did a show at Magic Mountain in 83 and Peter mm-hmm. Philbin, who was Bruce, worked with Bruce Springsteen and was yep. an A&R person, brought Bruce Springsteen to Magic Mountain to see this. What? Band. Yeah. And all I know is that we got signed after that, so I always thank Bruce Springsteen for schlepping to Magic Mountains to see this all-girl club band, you know, local band. I mean, we had toured; we'd toured; we'd opened for the English Beat, so we we'd oh, done some touring. That was our first. Who was tour. your
1: manager? Like, how did you get a manager? How did he Miles from-
2: Copeland? Oh, who that- came so- to see us. Yeah, he so was club. also the
1: Police's manager. Yes.
2: Yeah. And did I did you had- open for the Police? we did one show opening for the police at the racetrack at the racetrack in LA. I forget what you call that racetrack. Um, Hollywood park. It's out there. Um, I guess I that bet was Sting staying. loved you. Well, I don't know about that, but I remember that Miles came to see us at like the cafe de grand or one of these like very punk kind of clubs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and someone said, ooh, Miles Copeland is over there. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll, I don't know who he is. I had no idea. Because I, even though the police were a huge band, I was paying no attention to the bands of the 80s. I, I, I guess I paid attention to Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe. No. But right. I didn't know the police. <laughs> I was right. I was immersed in the 1960s and 70s. I couldn't Did get, you like
1: the Pretenders? Did you like the oh, Yes,
2: I did love the Pretenders. They, but they were like an exception mostly. I mean... I love the jam. I love the Mm -hmm. talking heads. I saw the talking heads first LA show at the whiskey, Mm. but I loved, I loved like um, Jonathan Richmond and the modern lovers. I I was obsessed with Jonathan Richmond and the modern lovers. I was obsessed with uh, Blondie. I was obsessed with the talking heads, but I didn't really know the police. You know, I, there was this, I was obsessed with the sort of, I mean, again, I went to see Patti Smith at winterland ballroom, for me, again, I was like this art student. For me, it was this sort of tectonic shift from like rock gods, you know, stadium rock, Zeppelin, I love Zeppelin, The Who, yes. I love them. The yeah. Stones, I love them. But it was like suddenly you could go see a band and it was like an art project. It was, it was, it was
1: poet, therapy. poet, priestess. And, you know, Poet,
2: priestess, it was theater, yeah. it was art. It was all together, it was like Look what they're wearing. Look what they're saying. Look what they sound like. Um, look at the album cover. Like it was a full art explosion. You know, it was like right. it, it was like born from the concept of like street artists, or I don't know. It just was so yeah. remarkable to me and so inspirational to me. So the bands that I was seeing in the seventies and early eighties were mostly those. Bands. I went to see the jam um, at like the Starwood, I think. And, Starwood, and I Starwood. That was a yes. club in
1: L.A. that was so great. Yeah, and then... I and saw that, John Mayle in the Starwood. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's Starwood. amazing. Oh, yeah, a long time ago.
2: And um, But, you know, I might... Anyway, That we could go in so many directions here, but I remember that... we. So the Bengals made a little single... It, it cost. It was a ten dollar an hour studio called Radio Tokyo in Venice on Abbott Kinney, and um, you know. So the record, the recording cost thirty dollars. We we booked three hours, and we made a little. David Roback actually took pictures of us, and we made a little cover, like literally folded a piece of paper and stuffed it in a little, little sleeve. And I, and I, uh, on my own, sought out Rodney Bingenhainer's phone number. And Rodney said, oh, come out, come down to the Starwood on a Monday night and bring me your record. So I went down there and I gave it to him. And he didn't play it the first week on K-Rock. So I like, was very tenacious and called him and was like the annoying little kid Calling him and saying, Well, I actually said, Why didn't you play the record? And he goes, Oh, no, I really liked it. It reminded me, you guys sound like the mamas and the mamas, because it was all these three part
1: harmonies. So the the mamas and the papas, the mamas and the mamas. Yeah, the mamas
2: and the mamas. So then I sat by the radio for three hours listening to a show the next weekend, and sure enough, he played it, and he played that single every Sunday for a year, and that was the beginning. I'll and that sure. built
1: your audience, people. Yeah. like, who are these amazing? On the radio,
2: and it was Rodney Bingenheimer. You know who's such so, an amazing tastemaker.
1: He really was. Yeah. So I know. And was, so tell me. So then, uh, what was the big? Oh, so you know, you worked with Prince. Yeah. And I want to hear about your relationship with Prince. I know he absolutely loved you. Um, he had well, your voice.
2: The the. the yeah, I mean, it was so amazing because the week that I found out about Prince and I was very late to the party in a way, I, for some reason I had been so immersed in whatever musical influences, which were primarily 60s and 70s stuff, um, and just studying you know, Beatles records and Birds records and getting 12-string guitars and trying to figure out how to make that sound, that I kind of missed out on a lot of the stuff that was actually happening at the time. But I remember the week that I that when Dove's Cry started to get massive airplay in L.A. on the radio, I heard that song, and within a day or two, somebody said um, Prince has seen the Bangles' um, Hero Takes a Fall video, and he really likes the band. And then he started to just show up, like at at our shows, um, and he would just. Trapes out onto the stage. There's incredible audio of him playing a solo on "Hero Takes a Fall" at the Palace. I think a venue in Hollywood, across the it used to be across the street. I don't know if it's still there. I think so. From Capitol Records, and approximately right on right around there. And um, that was Palace. Just, yeah, the Palace. Yeah, yeah, You'd Probably yeah, saw shows yeah. there. And uh, I think the name has been changed, but. It was kind of like being in the presence of this supernatural <laughs> experience of unfolding in front of your eyes. Like I literally never, never witnessed a, a human being playing guitar like that. It was like his guitar was just a part of his body. Right. And he was channeling something... Uh, honestly supernatural in my opinion i I just was floored by it and he he showed up a couple of times like that, and then you know sort of cut to um, us making the next record and i just we were working with David Leonard, his wife Peggy Leonard, his wife at the time, Peggy Leonard had been long time engineers for prince in in Minneapolis and we were working at Sunset Sound Factory and Peggy with David Leonard and Peggy Leonard was recording Prince at Sunset Sound on Sunset Boulevard and I was told to drive over and get a, a cassette Prince had a song for us so I went over there driving across town in my beat up car and so excited and nervous and thinking that like I would you know talk to Prince and we'd hang out and he'd give me the song but he was recording at the moment I got there and so the song, the cassette, and I still have the actual cassette, was left for me, and I got in my car, drove back across town to Sunset Sound Factory, and we all hovered around a cassette player, and it was Manic Monday. <sighs> and um, it was so beautiful. And he kind of assumed we might want to use, you know, he had built tracks for it and put down a vocal. But when it came time to record it, you know, it was just sort of the Bengal way to bangle it and kind of, you know, put Debbie on drums and Michael Was he on... okay with it? Yeah, he was. And we, I was a little afraid that he might, you know... Be insulted? Yeah, ha- or, or, or just... I wanted him to love it. You know, I wanted yeah. him to be pleased. Here yeah. he'd given us this song, and I wanted him to be pleased with how it came out. And I hadn't really... It wasn't until he just... Again, he would just always sort of materialize... Like, you would never know. He materialized at a venue with his guitar and just traips out onto the stage and start making magic in front of everybody. But it was the same with rehearsal. We were rehearsing um, after we'd recorded the song and we hadn't heard anything and he just sort of walked into the rehearsal room. And we were, like, scared because we we, there wasn't a keyboard player in the bangles, so the, the, the like, iconic Baroque little melody line that you hear at the opening of the song is really a keyboard part. So we weren't playing it, but you know, and then he would jump on stage and sing it with us. And, but he was very happy. With do you it. have footage of that? Um, and yeah, do you have footage of it? The, does any in the archives, do you think there's some bad, you not well, you know, not pretty grainy footage,
1: but on it's the, still on worth YouTube it. I, I want to find that. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. There's a good, there's a good manic Monday where, He's sort of fighting to be able to use Vicky's microphone to be able to sing with me but she was sort of on auto auto She didn't like she didn't
1: want to st- stand aside She's, and let him rip. Well, she
2: well he wanted he wanted the mic. He wanted yeah. the mic and um, he does a really funny thing where he's just very cheeky with her and kind of has a tambourine and puts it in front of his face and and then finally, she's sort of like, "Oh, he wants it to, he wants you know the mic so he can sing." and then yeah. finally he and I, Prince and I are looking at each other from across the stage, and Wendy's in the background she she came on stage and played too. so it's a it's a cute clip, actually. He's being really funny and and a little cheeky, trying to get get. Use of the microphone that was, uh, you know, she typically was singing her part on. But um, it's pretty funny. But yeah, I no, have we, a f-
1: I have a print f- story that he wanted me to do. He really wanted me to do "Under the Cherry Moon" with him. Oh, and wow. and I and um, Skri- Kristen Scott Thomas ended ended up doing it. But like, he kind of was pissed off that I didn't do it. He was a little insulted. So there was a MTV. Um, if you MTV. Uh, uh, it, whoever won this, this uh, they would have a premiere of Under the Cherry Moon in their town, and um, oh, wow. and and it was in, I think it was in um, Wyoming, in Jackson wow. Hole, Wyoming, and Whoa. somebody you know won it, and he flew Joni Mitchell and I on a what? private jet, t- yes, to to uh, Jackson Hole for the premiere of Under the Cherry Moon.
2: Well, wait, you got to go to the premiere with Joni,
1: though. We, we flew together. With, it was her, and um, I brought my a girlfriend of mine that was a friend. Was Prince at, was Prince at the... Yeah, um, yes. I mean, it was a huge... It was like a huge premiere, yeah, and for did that you guys, movie.
2: But did you get to talk or anything?
1: Yeah, so life... So, and then through the years, you know, I saw him, like, because you remember she all the backstage interviews for Coachella, and he played Coachella, yes. and, I, and I went to the soundtrack, and how I always got my guests was I just would go myself, like, hi, it's Rosanna, like, I'm shooting the backstage, and usually no one would say no, and he said yes to me, but then his handler, so fucked, his handler was really mean, and wouldn't let me, he was so mad that I got to him, and he said, "I'm." and he just killed it, and it was so depressing, but that was a great show. Well, Um, yeah,
2: I mean, I, I, there was a night, um, where we, he invited the Bengals to, um, just come jam with him, Mm-hmm. At Sunset Sound, he he kind of would take over a studio there, one of the really wonderful studios there, and just you know hunker down and have all his gear around, and you know get. That's where through. that's
1: where everybody like that was yeah. where um, that was where Led Zeppelin made Loads a record. Loads of people, yeah. I mean, the Stones were there. Like we, we made
2: a whole record there too, um, and I worked there on some solo stuff as well. But yeah, so he he had a room. He was he was in the thick of recording and. He just one night, you know, said, you know, let's jam. So we all went over there (sighs) late. I mean, I think (laughs) it was like 11 at night to start with. And what was so mind-blowing was he just wanted to play Bangles songs, which... I mean, we were sort of like, oh, we didn't know what to expect. What are we going to jam on, you know? Where are those recordings? (laughs) I know. You know, I don't know. He could have been recording them, but it's, I've never. I'm sure he did. uh, Possibly. But, but I think it was, I, all these things were like, almost like fairy tales. Like, you know, Manic Monday being given that song, you know, the the minute I sang it for the first time in a, in a darkened room with that red light in record, I could see through the glass wall, you know, and I, and I just tried it on for size and it was like literally putting my foot in, in the slipper and it it fit. And I was like, yes, because you don't know when someone gives you a song, if it's, if it's going to feel like, it's like when you put on an article of clothing or slip your, foot into a shoe and you're just like, Oh, this feels so good. Yes. Like, I know this is going to work. I want it to, but I don't, you don't know until you try it on. And like, that's kind of how singing a song is sometimes like mm. there's been songs that I revere and I want to sing them so bad. But when I try, it's like, Ooh, this is difficult. I don't know if I can do it, hmm. but with manic Monday, it just felt so good.
1: Key, is is was that, that your biggest hit, hit with you think? Uh, well, I think Eternal Flame actually Eternal Flame. has Cause was that because the movie of, it was in a it was in a. Uh, movie. I don't know. Was it? Was it? Wasn't that? I in don't the movie? even know if it
2: was. I think Eternal Flame was just one of those songs. That's a whole other story. Um, about a song that wasn't even, you know, picked for the album that ended up ending up on the album. It's a it's a whole. Another podcast <laughs>
1: where we could talk about it. Like Alfie. I love your version of Alfie.
2: Oh, gosh. I know. And I've been fighting so hard to get the music um, of all the Austin Powers music. That's funny. Right before I got on the phone with you or on the Zoom with you, I wrote again to my friend who was the brilliant music supervisor, John Houlihan, for the Austin Powers films. Because a whole new generation of people are discovering Austin Powers now. Um, <sighs> All my friends' kids are discovering it, and Jay did those movies. It was an incredible collaboration with the team and with Mike, who created the character. And I was um, always—I'm really proud of you know having been involved with the music, both with writing music with Mike Myers and the members of Ming t which was Austin Powers' band, (laughs) but also my you know growing up again back to. Idols and how, how I taught myself to sing by singing along with records, it was Burt Bacharach's and Hal David's songs via exactly. my mom's Dion Warwick records. So I just would sing over and over again those songs. What the world
1: needs now. Yeah,
2: and so, exactly. and There's love, um, sweet love. Um, so I got to sing The Look of Love for the first Austin Powers movie, International Man of Mystery, and for Goldmember, I got to sing, with again, with Burt and uh, Hal's permission to change the lyric... To What's It All About Austin. Um, and that just to get there, just that they gave me the stamp of approval, but also to be able to sing What's It All About Austin to the melody of What's It All About Alfie and those lyrics, and with an orchestra. And you can't get it on streaming, so it's been, you know, like this little bit of a. Thing to try to see if that stuff can be made available, but also the stuff that I did with Mike Myers in the band Ming-T, which was the so Austin, great. Austin Powers band, so yeah, that was really...
1: And remember, um, will I... Directed this documentary um Oh All yeah. All We Are Saying the musicians.
2: What, with searching for De- Deborah. No, there Winger? was searching
1: for Deborah, and then I did one on, on musicians, and I don't know why you're not in there, but I think we oh. weren't. We didn't, it was called. It's called All We Are Saying is everybody from Patty Smith, Tom Petty to like you know, uh, Tom York. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, I want, Have you never seen that?
2: No, but I'm just remembering our fun night with Tom York. Yeah.
1: Oh yes, at the Buckingham's. That was that was Lindsay Buckingham's 60th birthday. Yeah, and, and I, I performed am, at it, and I got perform- to be in the
2: photo booth, and I sat on Tom's lap.
1: <laughs> yeah, we and the pictures of us in that photo booth are hilarious. I know, like, of just like and we're just like I, you know, like fangirling on 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 Tom, and he there, he's okay, just like, oh my god, he 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 was like loving it. <laughs>
2: I, saw, I also have had the pr- the pleasure and privilege of sitting in Simon Le Bon's lap. Um so but the two rock rock star laps that I've I've had the privilege of sitting in were so Tom York and Simon LeVon.
1: That's perfect.
2: <laughs> oh my god. Well that was I, a I, really I, great night, wasn't it, Ro?
1: It was a great night. And I, I we I'd love to con- we we had our like girl time with uh Lindsay's Kristen Buckingham, um his oh, wife and the, so great. Ah
2: We've and, had some um, good
1: times. Yeah. with us continue to please have some good times in this and, um, because now we just want to uh, be free, all of us, and create create more love. Yeah. That's what we need to do now. That's where we have yes. the energy well, we all have thank to be in for, for our children. And I love you. So, I love
2: you, and this podcast is so great. And um, it's so such a pleasure to be able to talk about things that matter to us and um, things that we talk about when we're not on a podcast—just you and me all the time. I know. So it's so nice to share it, share some of the ideas.
1: Um, okay, we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye. But I want to. What 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 are you hoping right now, going forward from here on? Well,
2: I'm just hoping to be able to continue to make stuff that is a message of love. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be used Chrissy's uh, your friend Chrissy's song message of love Isn't that I love that song so much
1: yeah. that's actually it, one of my favorite songs of hers. It's so great all we need is love yeah all you need is love well just cover that theme song yes. from the Beatles forever I love you hon and I'll I talk to you, you so soon much, okay Ro, so I love you much. too please give Thanks. my love give my love to Jay and, every, and the boys I will okay okay bye bye bye. bye. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review Radical Musings to help other listeners find the show and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast to be alerted every time we post a new episode. Radical Musings is brought to you by Audio Up, produced by Krista Liney and Carla Braun, edited by Jeremiah Zimmerman, production support provided by Ashley Ardent. Sam Winter, Tyler Dorson, Emma Rapholt, and Richard Regal. Thank you all so much. <coughs>
0: Time to take this submarine back up. Ugh, oh, but it's tax season up there, Captain. You know, all that stressing over taxes isn't necessary with TaxAct. How did you get April here to remind you that with TaxAct, you're guaranteed your maximum refund while filing for less? Beats being submerged for another month, may hey, Captain. To your stations, we're headed home. Uh, I guess I should probably close that window I opened. What? <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> just, just, just tax Switch to TaxAct today and start for free. Restrictions apply. Price at filing subject to change. You see TaxAct.com for guaranteed details.